Welcome back to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. This is episode number 182. Uh, today, we're bringing back on uh, Brad Danes, who was a previous guest, and we talked about his experience running uh, all sorts of 100 miles, but also what it's like to train and and really put in the work when you're a dad of four. <laughs> Um, that was back way back in episode number 91. Um, today we're bringing Brad on to really in kind of a selfish way for me because I'm doing the race that he's putting on, uh, over Memorial day weekend in Iowa called the Boonville Backroads ultra. So I'm bringing Brad on one just to reconnect and, and have a fun conversation, but also I want to hear about the race, know what, uh, what obstacles, you know, um, I should expect and what are some of the best ways to kind of prepare for this thing. Um, and then in research today, I discovered that Brad has done something that probably very few people have done, which is step onto a treadmill and then run 100 miles on that treadmill <laughs> all at one time. Which is insane and bonkers to me because I can spend maybe an hour on a treadmill, maybe. And it's been probably two years since I've been on one. And the type of mental grit that that takes is completely mind-blowing. So we kind of start there. Then we dive into Boonville. Um, I'm super excited for the race. Uh, it's going to be my very first 100K. And also, I'm bringing along a few friends. Uh and it'll be their very first ultra. So they're doing the, a lot of them are doing the 50 K super excited for them. Um, and the experience they're about to have, uh, it's going to be a great time. So anyways, let's just jump right into it. This is the, like a Bigfoot podcast, number 182 with the Boonville backroads, ultra race director, Brad Danes. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, excited to be on, and I'm excited to have you uh, come come back home and run a race. Yes, <laughs> I'm like I'm so pumped, dude! I am so excited to just run a dumb amount of miles through Iowa. So I uh, I really hope we have the years that we've had in the past where it rains like four or five days beforehand, and then uh, the the roads get super sloppy. I'm I'm like secretly hoping for that too, which now it's not a secret, I guess, if I'm right, saying it on here. Right. Because I've been texting the my so I'm bringing a group of friends, like I think there's five of them. Yeah. And I've been texting them all week, and I'm like, guys, your mission this week is to get outside, like get outside and run right. instead of running on a treadmill, because like you don't know what kind of weather you're gonna face on race day. You know, it's not gonna be exactly. Exactly. I can guarantee you though, it's not gonna be like gym weather <laughs> you know uh, I mean? <laughs> so the historically and we'll probably get into this but historically it's gone either 40 and uh downpouring rain or 105 and sun i'm gonna be honest personally my preference is 40 and downpouring in that uh yeah it's it's pretty miserable, but the other way is, is far more miserable, I think. <laughs> um, let's start here. 
because I I looked you up today and I was like, how did I not see this the first time I interviewed you? <laughs> but you ran 100 miles on a treadmill. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it was like five years ago, I think now four four or five years ago. Um, there's a there's a group out of of Omaha called the Goats, um, and th- for <clears throat> for a couple years they put on an event called the the 24 hour challenge, um, where basically it was challenging everybody to do 24 hours on a treadmill. Um, the event changed after the first couple of years, I believe, to doing 24 hours of movement. Um, so it was a, an MS Run the US uh, fundraiser. And so the whole challenge was to be moving solid for 24 hours. So people could run, they could ride the bikes, they could do the elliptical, you know, they could do whatever. Um, and there were people that would play basketball. Um, there was somebody that did an indoor uh, triathlon uh, during that time. But there was there was four of us that were going to try to hit the hundred. Um, that was kind of the goal was to was to hit a hundred, and uh, two of us succeeded. Um, the other two, and then a couple others uh, did go the full twenty four hours. But I got to twenty one, and, and my memory's not a hundred percent right. But it was twenty one hours and some change. Um, once I got to that hundred, I was like, I am done. Like there's no more, um, but no, it was cool. We raised like uh, I think it was like eighteen thousand wow. um, dollars for that for that uh, MS Run the US uh, leg. So yeah, it was cool. It was it was a good time. That's crazy, man. That's about twenty hours more than I think I could do on a treadmill. You know, I was doing I would do like three, four, five hour sessions uh, in my basement with no TV. I would turn the lights off and we had this, we used to have this printer and I would stare at this little blue light and I would go three, four, five hours just staring at this blue light just to like get the mental side going because it's, it's a whole different monster. Yeah. When you did the challenge, were you like listening to music or watching TV or something like that? No. So like the way it was set up, it was at a, uh, it was at a lifetime fitness, um, in Omaha and, they basically took two bays of treadmills and they faced them towards each other. And so like literally you, you faced the person across from you the whole time. And the TVs were, were a good 50, 60 yards away on the opposite side of the gym. And so I was thinking, well, I've got a, you know, cause I was using like an old iPod nano or iPod, uh, whatever it was shuffle or whatever. No, it was the one that it was the little tiny one that had the screen on it, but not the shuffle. Oh yeah, yeah, I know. The nano, about. I think yeah. it was the nano, and it had a radio tuner on it, and so like all the TVs on the gym has, you know, they have uh, radio stations associated with the TV, and I was like, oh cool, I'll just get on to the 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 channel that it's on, but it was so far away that I couldn't even connect to it, <laughs> and then my iPod died, and like. I think my iPod died within like three hours or something like that. And so like most of the time was spent staring at someone across from you. Wow, man. Well, that's where, I mean, that's what we're talking about. Like that's the unexpected obstacle that comes in and you luckily trained for it because most people that would completely dismantle and throw like 
I, I know for me personally, I would be done. I would just be like, okay, I'm done now. There, well, and that's the thing. There were there are a lot of people that did that. I mean, like one guy got blisters real early, like super, super early because treadmills get super hot. Yeah. And so like the heat was getting into like into the inside of his in, in the side of his shoe. And he was wearing thick hokas, too. He was wearing like the the old Stinsons, which are huge. And like the inside of his foot just got like this huge blister. And I mean, he was on pace to do a hundred, but like, as soon as that blister got to, to the point where it took over the whole entire bottom of his foot, he was done at like 50 miles. And I was like, man, just dress it and just change it or just fix it. And then get moving. And he just like had checked out just cause it wasn't going the way he'd planned. But yeah, yeah, it was crazy. That is crazy, man. Were people like, walking in the lifetime fitness not knowing what you guys were doing getting on the treadmill next to you getting like a half an hour in and then they look over and be like oh man this guy's still going and you're like yeah i've been going since yesterday so they had a bay of i think it was so it was 10 on each side i think it was 10 on each side that were reserved for us and then they had another section of treadmills that were over like on the opposite side of the gym and so what they did is they sectioned us off, but people had to walk past us. And so like these, these dudes are crazy. Like they were all dressed in, there was like every hour, the guy who was putting it on would change into a different costume. So like one hour he came out dressed up like a sumo wrestler. And then the next hour he came out dressed up as like some eighties, um, Jane Fonda workout (laughs) lady. Uh, then the next hour he came out, dressed like a goat and then the next hour i mean so like people are shuffling in and out of this place thinking we're crazy and but we started at 7 p.m and so overnight like it was cool because there was nobody in there like once it got to about i don't know 11 11 30 like there was nobody in there yeah um so i mean realistically we had from 11 till 7 or 5 or 6 a.m where there was nobody in and so like we didn't get the the weird looks, but um, <laughs> when I was getting done, when I was finishing, so I finished in like 21 and change. So that would have put it at like, I don't know, 3.30 in the afternoon, which is super busy for a Sunday. And so like I was the only one that was going for the 100 and all of a sudden there's this like crowd gathered around in the last mile and they're screaming and this one guy's got a video of it i should send it to you this is one guy he's recording it on his phone and you can see the people in the background like what in the hell is going on here it was it was cool it was funny like we had people coming up asking why we were doing it and you know most of the time you're just like i don't know like it's just sound like a good idea <laughs> Yeah, man. That's crazy. Do you know who uh, Corey Reese is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I interviewed Corey for the show because he ran 100 miles on a cruise ship. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And so now I'm like, you guys need a competition for the most boring 100 miler of all time. I Well, the thing, I've considered I've considered doing it at like the YMCA. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the problem with the YMCA is it's like the track on the inside is like – point one five miles oh yeah and it's banked yeah yeah. so yeah. like so i've considered doing that but i'm like i don't know don't how up, i would man. do it i mean there was a guy that um he's a uh he's a, a physically challenged guy um i think he's got 
don't quote me on this. I think he might have cerebral palsy, but he can still walk. Um, and he just did a hundred K at the Y, wow. uh, on, on the, on the track. That's amazing. Like, super cool. Like, I mean, when I would, when I was working out at the Y, um, they have the windows. And so like, I would see this guy just making laps constantly and he's super inspiring and, and just a, just a cool example of mind over matter, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess digging in, like, what is your like ultimate goal or what's your why like what are you seeking out through ultra running i guess uh realistically uh, and i know this sounds super cheesy but to to sh like my hope and goal in life is to show people that they can do more than than they think they're capable of and i know that's super cliche and you know a lot of people say that but like you know i was <coughs> pardon me i was 300 pounds you know 15 years ago and so like, I know the mental side of what it's like to be stuck in just like this mindset of, I can't do things, um, just because I was big, I was heavy. So like, I want to be able to see people succeed in like whatever it is, you know, that whether that be running or, or cycling or hiking or, or whatever the case may be. But like, for me, just being super cheesy and trying to do things that are, a little weird, a little quirky, um, is just a way to show people that, you know, you can do things as long as you just work your butt off for it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and like, I, I mean, Western States is my goal is my goal race. Um, and I've been saying that now for six years, you know? And, uh, so once I get into Western States, I've decided that once I get into Western States and finish, cause that's the key part is finishing that. Um, because it's super hard to get in. Um, like, I don't know the, the sky's the limit. And I, I, I just don't know what it is after Western States. Yeah. Yeah. How, uh, like what describe that process to people? Cause I know it's bonkers and so, by two people, I mean to me, cause I don't really understand it. <laughs> right. So, uh, so you have to run a qualifier between, uh, I think it's December, the first part of December and the first part of November. Okay. Uh, so you have to run a, a qualifier. They've got uh, something like 60, 60 qualifiers throughout the country and international. And so you have to run one of the qualifiers to get in and or to get into the lottery. And so once you get into the or once you finish that qualifier, and you get your qualifier done, um, then you get into the lottery. Uh, if you don't get picked then the next year you have to run another one and then your chances increase. Okay. So every year you run a qualifier, you get more and more like entries or whatever. Right. Yeah. I and it's that. like, uh, so this year was my four, uh, fourth consecutive year getting in. Um, but I used a deferment when my dad passed away last year. So it kind of negates that one year, but they, you don't lose your, t you don't lose your spot. Yeah. Um, so this year I only had, I think it was five tickets in, uh, next year I'll have eight. Nice. Um, okay. so I've got to, I, but I've got to get my qualifier done again. So yeah. what are you planning on for a qualifier? Um, so I went and did, I, I really, I love the Rocky Raccoon 100. Yeah, I remember um, you were telling me about that. So yeah. I guess for the people listening, Brad came out, what was that, like a year and a half ago? Uh, yeah, like a year and a half ago, yeah. Yeah, and we went for a little run up uh, 
Buffalo Mountain out in Summit County, which is like my one of my favorite mountains, weirdly enough. Uh, and I'm at 900 feet, and that thing starts at 9,500. <laughs> yeah, and it's up, and it's just straight and it's up. Straight up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I remember you were telling me about about that race, and that's one you've done like multiple times. Yeah, so I've done Rocky three times. Um, I wasn't. I've been kind of in just like this funk the last year, um, and so I I wasn't trained for it this year. So I'm hoping to go back down. I did or go back. I guess over um to michigan to do the hallucination hundred okay um which is in september uh it's a it's a like if you're looking for just like a cool environment to like hang out it's like woodstock themed so it's called run woodstock so like everything is is like tie-dye and there's pot leaves everywhere and like there's there's people like like hula hooping and i mean it looks like Woodstock with a bunch of dirty runners, you know, <laughs> and it's so cool. And the, like all the volunteers were super awesome. And like, I have a thing for looped races, yeah. looped courses. And I think it's a, it's like six, uh, 17 mile loops or something like that. Um, but it's, it's super runnable. Um, the problem that, it, the problem that I have with it, it starts at 4 PM. Ooh, that's so tough. it's tough because I mean, once you get done finishing, you're up, you've been up for like 35 hours. So yeah. like, it's crazy. That's but crazy, I, man. That's what the hope is to get back, uh, to get back to that one. Yeah. Nice, man. Well, I like your, your why there, because for me personally coming into Boonville, I've, I haven't ran a hundred, I'm doing the hundred K yep. and I haven't ran 62 miles continuous and I'm experienced enough at this point that I'm like, I know I can do it. I know I can get it done. Like, I definitely know that, but yeah. there is self doubt of like, can I actually like do well at a, that distance? Because I know for me, when I've done 50 milers in the past, um, I'll get to like mile 40 and then I just hit, I hit the physical wall but then also just the emotional wall of like all right like people pass me and i'm just like all right whatever like yeah like you just kind of get to the point where you're like all right i'm not even if if i was competing at one point i'm not anymore i guess yeah if that yeah. Makes sense. and that's and it's a tough situation to be in because so to give you kind of an insight so boonville because it's all on or mostly on backcountry roads um yeah we do have to limit size. Um, so that's one thing that we do or that I, that I make sure to do is limit the size of the field. Um, so you've got in the 50 K or in the hundred uh, K you've got 50 people that, uh, so a cap of 50 people. And so I've done the hundred mile three times, uh, at Boonville before I took over as race director. And so you line up and there's four. And when I was doing it there, it, I mean, I think the most it got to is 35. Yeah. And so like it's you and 34 other people, you know, so like you start going through your head and you're like, okay, that guy right there, I can beat that guy right there. I can beat that guy right there. I can beat. And then like, I mean, there's some pretty phenomenal runners who, who do this race and then they just like, hand you your ass like <laughs> 40 miles into this thing they're passing you and it's like man i was i was so like all i wanted to do was beat shirtless guy <laughs> you know and so like 
the the thing that I learned a long time ago in these events is you know shutting that off because like for for at Rocky Raccoon for example there's a there's a, a very nice dude and and I cannot think of what his name is now um, but he's one he's he's a very positive guy that just hangs out in the back and all he wants to do is finish you know and so you get passed by this guy and I got passed by him one year like 99.5 miles you know like I got passed by him down the stretch and he's like oh man I saw you out there all day and, and he's super just positive and excited you know and so like my my goal for 2020 in in just my training and my racing is to run with that much joy yeah and so like that's one of the things that I'm that I've tried to tell people is like you know we're pretty lucky to be able to do something like this and if you're not going to be one two three you know you're not going to you know there's probably no chance that you finishing on the podium do the whole thing with joy yeah you know just be excited to be alive and to be doing it so i mean that's one thing that i tell a lot of people especially because uh so so boonville is it's a soul sucker. Um, I mean, it will suck your soul once you get onto these level B roads. Um, you know, cause so for the hundred K, um, I mean, it's roughly, uh, you're looking at roughly like 85% gravel road. Um, and then you've got about 10% of it is these level B roads that if you get rain, they will eat your feet. <laughs> And so like, I've done the race enough to know like mile 27 to 30 are the worst portions of the race because you get through this, like this peanut butter mud that just will eat your soul. And then as soon as you get out of that, it's, it's totally, it's totally better, you know, but then you've got 30 more miles to go. Yeah. Um, but you know, running with joy and just being excited to be a part of the experience is like what I tell everybody, you know, I feel like that is something like there's only, I've had very rare races where I've been just beaten down to the point where it's not fun anymore, you know? Yeah. And yeah, yeah. I, you'll, you can relate to this and I know I've talked about it on the podcast before, but like when you're a busy person, like a busy adult in life where we have different roles that we put on of like father and guy at work <laughs> and yeah. the husband and things like that, you get to the point where you're like, all I have to do today is just keep going forward. And that's it. Right. Like I don't have yeah. anything else on the to-do list besides like going forward and eating food. Like, yeah. I don't know. It's weird. Like that is something. And then thinking about that brings joy to me where I'm like, okay, there's, what's the point of being upset that I'm in pain. And I'm kind of like, did you not expect to be in pain? You're running like a ridiculous amount of miles today. Of right. course you're going to be in pain, but exactly. it's just like that good reminder of like, Hey, you know, you're doing this because you actually enjoy it. You know? And, and one of the things to like, I used to, uh, I've done in the past, you know, some, some charity runs. Um, and you know, I would carry a picture with me, you know, and I would carry this picture and then like every once in a while, like I, if I got into a, if I got into a 
pissy mood, I would just pull it out and look at it. And I'm like, okay, so this little girl has cancer or this little boy has cancer or whatever the case may be. And then I would look at it and I'm like, I'm here. They're sitting in the hospital. I can get this done. Pop the picture right back in my pack and then keep moving. Yeah. Yeah. It's the reminder of, you know, the pain that you are in is going to be temporary. Um, in the yeah, race, for you sure. Know? Exactly. Um, let's dive in. Like, I want to hear about your history of the race. And then I want to hear about the actual history of Boonville yeah. um, in general. So whichever order you want to jump in. To sure. That. Um, so this is year number seven, I believe, Okay. Uh, for the race. Um, so the first year I was, uh, I didn't do it because it's Memorial day weekend. And like, you know, I was kind of snob and I was like, well, they don't have a hundred miles, so I'm not going to do it. They didn't, uh, not the first year they didn't have a hundred. No, the first year they did a 50 K, a hundred K, okay. a 50 K relay and a 10 K. And so I was like super snobby and I was like, well, I'm not going to do this thing because they don't have a hundred miler. And so like, I knew people that did it and they were like, this is, this is intense. Like it's super intense. And so the more I thought about it the following year, they at uh, Steve uh, added a, uh, added a hundred mile and I was like, okay, now I got to do it. And so I have been a part of the race. Now this will be my sixth year, yeah. uh, first year uh, as the, the, the full-time race director. Uh, the past two years I've been the kind of the co-race director um, and then before that I ran the hundred miles for the, uh, previous or the three years before that. And so like, um, yeah, it's, uh, it, it starts in this little tiny town called Boonville, Iowa. Um, it's a town of probably a hundred people. If that, um, they've got, uh, a bar, a restaurant and a church. And that is literally all that's there. That's what you want from a town called Boonville, though. Right. You know? Yeah. Like if it sure. was a like if it was like a like a crazy metropolis of like, of, you know, thousands of people, I would be kind of bummed. Yeah. I mean, and it's <laughs> it's it's uh, it's kind of one of these g- weird communities, too, because like the town of the town is super small and everybody knows each other and you know like it's it's one of these communities where i think they probably leave their doors unlocked and their keys in their cars you know and then like just up the road is these multi-million dollar houses (laughs) i mean up the road maybe a mile are these like multi-million dollar houses it's the strangest setup because it's basically right next to des moines right right exactly yeah yeah um and so like the town people, the people that live in town, like they love it. I mean, it's for them, it's really cool to, uh, to see all the people that are out and to see the community. I mean, you know, like going to the restaurant and going to the bar that's there and, you know, putting the money back into the community. Um, so from there we run down to a couple of different small little towns um, a little bit bigger than that. You're talking to maybe a thousand or 2000 people. Um, and then, uh, for the hundred mile and hundred K runners, they will go a little further into a, into a bigger town called, uh, uh, Winterset, um, which is 
where John Wayne was born. I was just about to say it, but I didn't want to sound stupid if I was yeah, wrong. Yeah, <laughs> so, so John Wayne was born. So anybody who's Whoa, hold be- on. Let me connect this the dots real quick for myself. Yeah. yeah. The last 50 miler I did was in Monument Valley, which is that place in Arizona, Utah. Oh, yeah, yeah. All like a bunch of the John Wayne films were yeah, filmed yeah. there. There's even like John Wayne Point and stuff. Yeah. So I'm just traveling backwards in John Wayne's history now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and like, honestly, if you show up in or early enough, a couple of days ahead of time, you can go visit John Wayne's birthplace. I mean, it's pretty sweet. And that's cool. Uh, you know, but uh, so we run, you will run through uh, some of the bridges of Madison County uh, from the book and the movie. Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep. <laughs> uh, so you will run through some of those uh, two Three years ago, one did uh, was uh, set on fire by an arsonist. Whoa! Um, I believe it's fully. I, I, I believe it's renovated. fully back yeah. um, and renovated. So that's kind of cool. Um, and then, uh, yeah, like for the hundred k hundred milers, they they run the same route for the first hundred k. Um, and yeah, once you come out of this one little town uh, called Saint Charles, uh, that's when you hit the first level B roads. Okay. And, uh, the level B's are the, I've run in some really bad weather conditions. And when you get stuck on those level B's, it's, it's bad, like real bad. Um, there was one year, it would have been my last year running the hundred. Um, so again, it starts at like 27 ish miles. Um, we came out of that little town, St. Charles, and you take a right and you head back to the west. And weather had been foggy all morning. And then once me and this other guy, Regan, we headed back to the west. We're like, oh, that does not look good. And it was just like all of a sudden it looked like a scene from Twister and like torrential downpour. And there's hail and sleet hitting us. And like that went on for about three miles. And then just as soon as that was over, that's when I hit the level B's. <laughs> and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. This is like, this is crazy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the water at, at certain points in the mud will get up to about mid-calf. Wow. Uh, so it's pretty it's pretty gnarly. But, um, yeah, once you get past that, once you get past that section of level B's, again, you hit, head into winter set. Uh, which is where John Wayne was born. And then you come out uh, north of town and you head back in and then you've got 20 miles left. So, Okay. And then yeah. the 100 milers do the 50K loop, right? Then they'll do the 50K loop. And then they'll do the 10K loop at the end? Yep. Yep. Wow. So um, the thing that the thing that the way this course is designed, it works out really great because it's exactly 160 kilometers, which is a hundred miles. Um, and the, the terrible thing is that when you get done with that 50 K, you're like, okay, I got a 10 K left. That's it. But the problem is that the 10 K is, is, has been coined the hashtag toughest 10 K <laughs> and it sucks. Like just the 10 K sucks Yeah, because you've got three like three monster climbs just in the first three miles <laughs> and you just you've already you've already ran 94 miles you know so 
do you, I, I mean, I think if people are listening and they're from East Coast, they're from Colorado, West Coast, mountains, I, I think they would be surprised with Central Iowa's rolling hills and just how difficult those are. And, you know, my grandpa lives in this town of like 60 people in Milton, Iowa. And I just remember going on bike rides uh, on the gravel roads around his town and that being one of the worst endurance experiences I've ever had. And it was probably only like 15 mile bike rides. And obviously like I was a kid, so that was hard, but yeah, dude, it just, it drains you, you know? Well, and I mean, the race is like, I'll be, I'll be super honest. The race is, is if you're ready for it, the race is really runnable. Uh, I think the, I think the course record on the hundred mile is like, 1840 fast man i looked i looked at all those records yeah it's it's something like 1840 1830 and it was a colorado guy so i mean he was like you know for for people that are coming from colorado or some of these higher elevation places it actually works really really well in your favor because you're coming down to like i said 900 a thousand feet and the climbs are pretty ridiculous like the the you know the the gravel roads the way that they they move are, is pretty ridiculous but it's totally runnable for for anybody who's who's ready for it yeah yeah dang man well i mean you've mentioned a couple things here can you kind of like dive in i don't know how much you know but like and i know you probably don't want to speak for steve but like when steve invented this race like what was yeah. his motivation and and you know what like what was his reason for starting this? Cause it's, it's you guys, I mean, it's advertised as like Iowa's first 100 mile race. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it, it is, uh, now the Hitchcock hundred, uh, started the year after I believe. Okay. Um, and that's in Western Iowa. And then there's, uh, one more, uh, Northeast Iowa. I can't think what mine's Spain. I think, uh, I think they have a hundred mile or two. Um, but yeah, Boonville is the first, uh, Boonville is the only non-trail hundred also, um, in Iowa. Um, and so I think the, the point that he wanted to get across is I was not flat. Yeah. I mean, it's not as flat <laughs> as most people think. Yeah. And so like, I know that he did some of his, uh, some of his run training on the Hills out from this course. And so, you know, obviously he has a, he has like this huge passion for cycling and he knew the route and he knew the level B's and what they kind of the, the, um, extra effort that it takes to get through these level B's. Um, and I think what he wanted to do was just really test people because it's not a road race yeah, and it's not a trail race and those Hills do not end. Yeah. And I think that's what he was was hoping for was to be able to make that kind of uh, come to light, you know. So yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's tested some really good runners, and it's brought some to their knees. Yeah, you know, um, two years ago it was uh, it was like 105 heat index hadn't rained for like three weeks. It was 105 heat index. The level B's had actually solidified. And so they were, they they were rock hard. Um, And 
we had that year we had 40 42 starters of the 100 mile and we had five finish wow and i mean there was one guy that year we did extend uh during the middle of the race we did extend the the time cutoffs um because it was so hot and so we extended the time cutoff to 36 hours and we had a guy his name's brett rowan he's a really super cool guy and he finished in 35 55 and I drove the course backwards to see where he was at on that, on that last 10 K. And I think the 10 K took him like two and a half hours. That's rough. And I drove the course backwards just to check on him to see where he was at. And he had, I think he had his daughter with him at that point. Um, and I was like, Hey man, you okay? And he's like, yeah, I'm good. And I saw him like half a mile from the finish. And I was like, okay, well, just know that you have like 10 minutes to finish this thing or, or I can't call you a finisher. And he's like, Nope, I got it. Finishes with five minutes, four or five minutes to spare. And then like passes out, like legit passed out. That's crazy. It was scary. Yeah. That's scary, um, man. So we like sat him down and his kids were there and I was like, okay, kids, um, he's going to be okay. We just got to get some fluids back in him. You know, like it was wild um what what should people like thinking about expectations coming into the race like and i know you've mentioned the hills you mentioned the b roads but like is there anything else people should kind of expect i guess the 100k and the 100 mile it looks like the beginning is just completely straight for 20 some miles am i wrong about that yeah it's it's uh for the most part. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there's, there's like two corners and then you're straight for, I don't know, 10 or 12 miles. Does that at... mess with your mind at all? Like not oh, yeah. turning and just going yeah. straight. When am I going to yeah. turn? <laughs> well, and that's the thing. Like you get, you get, before you get to St. Charles, you're like, am I going to hit the Missouri border? Like <laughs> how far down am I going? And then you, you get to St. Charles and then it's like a, like a little two mile. And then you, turn back to the West and then it's kind of weaving in and out and going North, South, East and West. But, um, yeah, the first 23, 24 miles is, is basically straight in direction. Wow. Um, but it's not straight as in flat. Yeah. It's like, (laughs) because once you get down, once you get down into that Southern part, so once you get about 10 ish miles in, that's when you kind of start to hit the hills. Okay. So. Yeah. Wow, man. So what uh, what tips do you have? Like I know my buddies are all – there's four of them that are going to be newbies to ultra running. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not, they're, I don't want to speak for them, but I don't think they would describe themselves as like real big runners. Sure. Um, so what kind of like tips do you have for them? either specifically about Boonville or just, you know, from your experience being an ultra runner? Um, you know, one of the, one of the things that I, that I try to preach with a lot of people, um, aside from nutrition and foot care and and all that stuff is, is ankle mobility, um, and being able to have strong ankles because I know it's not trails and it doesn't undulate as much as trails do. Um, but those gravel roads, if they, if they send a maintainer through there, they can tear up the road a lot and then you're just running on fresh gravel. And when you do that, it just like twists and turns your ankles a lot. 
Um, so what I tell people a lot is, is really get those ankles strong as much as you can. So like, um, BOSU balls, like those half exercise balls. Um, I do a lot of exercises where I put the flat end on the ground and then the rounded end or rounded sides on the top. And then I just stand on it like one legged and just balance and just try to get those ankles strong. Um, that's, that's like where I think a lot of people have problems because they think it's a road race yeah, and they aren't ready for that constant side to side type ankle movement. Okay. Um, you know, get ready for the heat. Um, you know, it can get hot even so even, uh, so my first, my first year that I did it, no, I'm sorry. My second year that I did it, it, rained in the middle at some point and then it got to like 90 degrees and a thousand percent humidity. Um, so like getting used to the heat is, is a big, big advantage. If you can do that. Um, it's not going to be as hot as bad water. It's not going to be as hot as Western States. It's not going to be as hot as San Diego and some of these other, some of these other crazy, crazy ones. Yeah. But the humidity is the thing that gets a lot of people. Um, and with that, with the humidity, you also have to manage to drink and drink and hydrate and take your electrolytes and, and that sort of thing. Um, so getting that into check and, and figuring that all out before race days is a, is a big plus. Um, for people doing the 50K, um, we have... So you, you don't hit your first aid station for the first 10 miles. Actually, for the first 100 or for the 100K, 100 mile, 50K, you don't hit your first aid station for the first 10 miles. Um, the 100Kers, we are going to add an aid station in the middle. It'll be a fluids only at some point. Okay. Um, I, I haven't decided where exactly that's going to be, but in between the first aid station and the second, it's like 13 miles. And that can be on a hot day, that can be. A, a long stretch. So we're going to add a, we're going to add an aid station in there at some point. Um, but just getting used to drinking, um, is, is a big, big deal because those aid stations can be a ways apart and there's no shade. So like, that actually, I was thinking about that the other day. Like that is something I didn't even consider, yeah. But, and I can't remember, I, maybe I was just looking at pictures, but I was like, oh yeah, I forgot. Like when you're on a, a like gravel road, there's, you're not going to be in the middle of the trees there. You're no. just going to be pounded by the sun. If it's sunny, there's, there's one little section for the hundred K and hundred mile that goes up this kind of short, not quite a level B, but kind of in between a regular gravel road and a level B, um, that is shaded. Um, it is, does have a nice canopy and you can kind of get some rest in there, but yeah, I, if like sunblock or UV protectant type stuff is, is a big, is a big thing. Yeah. Is a big plus. Um, we do have one guy, his name's David. Um, and David is legit. Like he's super strong, super fit. And like, he, he knows what he's doing and he's one of these guys that dresses in all white, like he's running bad water, you know, because he knows what that heat will do. Yeah. Um, and we do have some people that will run in, in the, you know, like an all white long sleeve shirt just because, you know, white doesn't 
uh, doesn't hold in the the heat and um, it's it gets hot like ridiculously hot yeah what kind of like mental like when they hit the wall you know and they get past the point of miles they've ran or miles they're comfortable with like what do you suggest just mentally that they do in those moments you know the thing I the thing I love about this, the way that this rate or this course is set up is, you know, you are in backcountry Iowa, you know, you're in the back, you're like in on gravel roads, and I mean I've I've run in Colorado, I've run in California, I've run in Texas, I've run in Oklahoma and Louisiana, and you know a lot of other places. There is and I'm like, I kind of get emotional. There's nothing like running down these gravel roads on a nice day and looking around and seeing how beautiful the landscape is. I mean, yeah, it's not the mountains. It's not these big peaks that, you know, that people like in, in Colorado or even Eastern Europe are going to get, but like these rolling fields of corn and the the people are great. And, you know, when you get in the dumps, like one of the things I always tell people is just like, look around, like, cause it's, it's gorgeous. I mean, it is gorgeous. And, and we get a lot of people that are from some of these beautiful communities and beautiful States. They're like, I didn't realize Iowa was this beautiful of a landscape. Yeah. You know, it looks like, it, I mean, Norman Rockwell is from Iowa, so it looks like it just came out of a Norman Rockwell painting, you know? Well, and I think, too, like, I mean, the quote-unquote flyover state. And also, when people drive through Iowa, they're always on Interstate 80. They're not right. – they don't get to these country roads, these – the really beautiful parts of the state, honestly. Um, yeah. You know, because – and to be fair, I've definitely done my fair share of, like, crapping on Nebraska – Oh yeah. But I I think back, I'm like, I've only driven interstate 80 through Nebraska. Like I bet, I bet it's just as pretty. I hate to say, but you know, and we did have, (laughs) um, we did have, uh, now his name is Michael. Um, I cannot think of his last name now, but he was, uh, he's currently like 65 consecutive weeks into hundred milers or something like that. Um, he ran it, he ran Boonville last year, ran the hundred miler and, you know, he lives in New York City and, you know, when he came to our race, I think he was 30 weeks in or something like that for consecutive weekends of running a hundred miler. And he, he said to us, he's like, I didn't realize when I signed up for this race that this was going to be this beautiful. And like, that's the thing that people don't think about. And like, so when you do get in the dumps and if it's nice, if it's not, you know, pouring down rain and looking like you're in or uh, in uh, tornado alley um it's gorgeous yeah yeah and like you get to run through some like i said the the covered bridges which is kind of cool and and the history there and you get to run through these little communities and and it's the iowa nice man people wave at you when you're running past and and like that's what i tell people too like if you're in if you're in the dumps and you see someone driving past you just give them a wave i mean Everybody will wave back. Yeah, you got to wave and you got to nod. Like exactly. One of those things. <laughs> uh-huh. Exactly. And you got to say, oops, sorry, when you're passing oops, somebody. Sorry. Yeah, oops, exactly. sorry. sorry. Sorry, I'm passing you. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then you expect the Ope Sari back when they pass you later in the race. Right. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Um, that's awesome, man. So I guess like Midwestern running in general, especially Midwestern ultra running, you don't necessarily, like most people don't necessarily equate you know, the Midwest as an ultra running destination, though I am trying my hardest and I'm sure you're trying your hardest. Yeah. Like, I think we should change that because I personally think that there's so much to see in the Midwest that I haven't even seen. And I grew up there. You know what right. I mean? Like yep. I've seen pictures from certain uh, state parks in Iowa and I was like, man, like I've never even, I've never even thought about going to that place. Like, what was I thinking? So yeah, like, why do you think people should give Midwest ultra running a shot? You know, the, the, the thing that I have trouble with is, you know, people, you know, the beast coast and West coast races. And I mean, you know, the hundred mile race was invented in California. And so like, you've got some of the most prestigious races in the country. I mean, ultra distance races in the country that are on the West coast. And then you've got some, seriously legit badass events on the east coast the problem is that people don't look outside the coast yeah. you know i mean they'll go to colorado but i mean realistically the mountains are the coast if you if you think about it um that's a total midwestern perspective i know sure. right <laughs> exactly um but like you know you look at nebraska and so i'm going to give a plug for the goats again so they're the, the goats are the greater omaha area trail runners and so they put on this race the first weekend in december um that's called the hitchcock 100 or they call it the hitchcock experience and uh so casey lichtig who's from uh, omaha, omaha yeah. uh, she goes out there and she works it and i I, she trains out there a lot. I don't know if she's ever run that event. Okay. Um, but like, that's where she does her training for UTMB. That's nice, and man. So like, that's in Iowa. I mean, it's it's still technically in Iowa. It's closer to Omaha than than me. But like, it's still it's still in Iowa. And uh, there's a guy named John Storkamp who's up in like the Minneapolis Twin Cities area. And he puts on like superior 100. <coughs> well, Excuse me. This is what I'm learning too, because my dad just moved to Wisconsin, and the races that are in like the North Woods of Minnesota, Wisconsin, like those are sounding really tempting to me. Um, yeah. And I know like the Arrowhead 135 just happened, and yep. that race is like bonkers crazy. There's another one in Wisconsin. I can't remember what it's called, but it like the turnaround spot is in my dad's town that he lives in. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, no one's, I've never, Oh well, no, I don't want to say no one's ever heard of them, but like, I haven't heard of these. I feel like they should yeah. be getting more press because like, I, it's just another way of exploring like the beauty of the United States. You know, the thing that I, the thing that I love and I mean, he, he's one of these guys that um, he's one of these dudes that you either really, really like him or you can't understand the way he races is yeah. uh, Sage Canada. And so I love one of the things that he says is any surface, any distance, you know? And so he doesn't limit himself to just trails or just mountains, you know? And like, look at Jim Walmsley, like Walmsley, Walmsley is another guy who's going to go down. He just ran what? One Oh two at the, at a half marathon. Yeah. Like a road half marathon. And so like, 
we have those events here in Iowa and we have those events in Kansas and Missouri and Illinois and like uh, the Badger 100 is up in um, is up in Wisconsin. The 10 junk miles guys put that on. And then uh, the Ice Age 100, the Ice Age 50, those are all in in uh, Wisconsin. And then, you know, there's some the uh, uh, the trail nerds down in Kansas, like they put on some killer events. I mean, killer events. That was actually I did uh, my first ultra was a 40 mile um, that was in April ish, like the end of April. It's called the uh, uh, Free State Trail Ultra or something like that. Yeah, that's what it's called. Free State Trail Ultra. And I did a 40 miler and I finished and 20 minutes later, a tornado came through. (laughs) That's the most like Kansas thing ever. It really is. But see, like they're like, it's super, like it's a super well organized event. Yeah. And I think that that's the thing that I love about Midwestern events is you get people to show up, you get people to volunteer, you get people that organize these events that literally want to see you finish. Yeah. Like whatever it's going to take to get you to finish, they are going to do that, you know? And so I, my, my only DNF of, uh, of a hundred, um, was at one of John's events. Um, it's called the Zumbro or Zumbro 100. And like I sat down 53 or 57 miles in, I hadn't eaten in like 12 hours. I puked like 45 times. And one of the guys was like, Hey, I'm going to sit with you and we're going to talk through things. And we're going to figure out a way to get you to finish, you know, and like the guy was amazing. And he sat there for the longest time trying to get me to get up and get moving. He's trying to get me to eat and nothing was stand down. But like they legitimately want you to to finish and not to say that that doesn't happen on the East Coast and the West Coast. But it's it's that Midwestern nice, you know, and that's the thing that I preach to all of the volunteers and, and everybody who's a part of, of our event is I want to see the finish rate at a hundred percent. Like my goal is to get everyone to a hundred percent, whatever we can do as volunteers to get them to a hundred percent. We do that. Yeah. And I mean, like I'm at the finish line taping feet and, you know, doing all this other stuff. I don't have to do that. I could let their crews do that. But like, to me, I want to see them finish. And so there's a a girl named Morgan who, uh, ran it, ran the hundred two years ago. And she was the female winner and she was in a pair of shoes that were causing her foot to move all over the place. And, and I mean, she had a blister that was the biggest blister I've ever seen in my life. I mean, it covered the entire bottom of her foot and she's like, I'm done. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to let you be done. So like I'm doctoring her foot up and that sort of thing. And like I had other volunteers that were like given tips and they're like, well, maybe try this and do this and do this and do this. And I mean, I've done enough races kind of all over that you don't get that at every at every race. Yeah. And that's the thing that I, that I tell everybody is I want everyone to finish. And we got to do whatever we can to help that make that happen. Yeah. Do you have like a 
most memorable or like one of the more like a more memorable moment of the Boonville <clears throat> where either you saw someone like just push through like do you have an inspiring Boonville story that you think you could share um to, for us to draw on when we're all suffering and crying and stuff so there um yeah so we did a movie um on the on the race in I've seen two, it. 2017 yeah and um wait hold on let me find that Re- reach for the stars the 2017 Boonville ultra marathon you see brad dane suffering quite a bit in it which is yeah yeah <laughs> like way bad um and so like for me that moment was was getting to that aid station and one of the volunteers they they knew me a little bit but didn't know really me that well and she sat with me and she basically spoon fed me a hamburger trying to get me to eat because I hadn't eaten for a while. And like, she was just like, I'm not going to let you quit because you're going to get to 10 more miles and you get to the, the start finish and then you can change your shoes and you can do all these other things. And she's like, I'm not going to let you finish. But like, that's another story. But like, so, um, there's a, a father and son, uh, group or couple and they up until last year ran it together um dad is i want to say he's in his late 60s maybe early 70s and they run it every year together the galloways and it's amazing to watch these two work together just absolutely incredible um the first year that we did the race or the, the hundred was, uh, what was it? 2015, I think somewhere around there. Um, and it was my first hundred there and it rained for 10 hours and sleeted and stormed. And there was a guy who was 72 years old that, and this video is actually on the Facebook page. So you can go to the Facebook page and see the video. Um, 72 years old and he came in in like 32 hours. He's the last finisher, you know, and he's like, you know, there's a lot of people my age that can't even walk. And he's like, I'm just super excited to be here and to be out running and walking and being in nature. And he goes, that's what it's about. Just being out here and doing it. And like, if anybody wants to see something super cool, like watch that video of that guy finishing that race. Because I mean, he's like your grandpa, you know, like he's, he's finishing this race and he's all smiles. There's nobody around. There's no fanfare for him to finish. I think he'd come by himself and he's just like, I'm just really excited to be alive. That's You awesome, know? And man. like, that's, that's the thing that I, that I, preach to people so often is just being grateful to be able to do what we do and like seeing that guy and like it almost brings tears to my eyes just like thinking about watching him finish this thing you know he had endured for 32 hours 12 of which was in the pouring rain Wow. you know and like to see him cross that finish line with this big like big cheesy grin on his face and he's like i'm just happy to be here 
And I'm just happy to finish this. That's the power of like the power of gratitude and positivity and just what it can pull you through, you know? And there's, I heard this, I can't remember when I heard this is a long time ago, but basically someone was like, when you get into a really low moment, just smile, like just, just smile. It'll like produce some endorphins. Even when you're feeling like the absolute worst, if you just force yourself to smile or when you get into an aid station, just like high-fiving people, talking to the volunteers, you know, giving hugs and things like that, like it'll just boost your energy. It'll give you that much more momentum to like carry you through. A little bit of advice that um, I actually got from one of my crew members um, and I'm going to tell her to listen to this. So hi, Sarah. Um, it, so she, I have this great group of four people that are my favorite people in the entire world. So it's it's Sarah, Phil, uh, Jim, and Jen. So they've been my crew for two two Boonvilles and a couple other races. And one of the things that Sarah says every single aid station, and for anybody who out there who's who brings a crew, um, have the crew members whenever your runner comes in say, what are three things that happened that were positive since the last time I saw you? And like, so in 2017 for that, for that film, that's what she said to me. And at 53 miles, I was ready to call it quits. And she comes out to me and she's like, I want three things that have happened all day, three good things that have happened all day. And like one of them, I mean, was like, I didn't poop my pants, you know, (laughs) like, and and it's like seeking out these positive things that happen between between aid stations. And so anybody who's bringing a crew or pacers or whatever, three things like that's what you got to keep reminding the person is find three things that have happened that were good or positive. I mean, it could be seriously not pooping your pants or I've done you were like, able- yeah, I was able to eat a fig Newton. I was like, right. Yes, it, I got exactly. it. So like those little things can trick your mind into thinking, well, this sucks, but it's not as bad as I thought it was. Yeah. Or like, I'm actually, I am having a good time. Like this is fine. I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah. Like we're going to be fine. You got (laughs) to like that conversation in your head. (laughs) I, so after my first hundred K, so I was 40 miles into my first hundred K and I had done this. So this free state race down in Kansas, um, I'd gone there two other times before that and done the 40 mile. And so like I'm in 40 miles into this race and it's the first time I've ever done, done anything over 40 miles. <clears throat> and, uh, like all I kept repeating myself was Hooters chicken wings, Hooters chicken wings, Hooters chicken wings, because the previous years before that, like my family was there. I had two little kids that we, we took them to Hooters, you know, and like all I wanted was chicken wings. And so the only place that was open was Hooters at the time. <laughs> and so like I had to keep repeating to myself Hooters chicken wings, Hooters chicken wings. And my buddy that was with me was my pacer for the last 20. He's like, why do you keep saying that? <laughs> he's like, he's losing it. And I'm like, dude, we are going to Hooters for chicken wings as soon as we get done. And like you find those little things like you get that just bring you so much joy, like chicken wings. Yeah. You know, or, uh, so I've done, uh, I've done a couple 24 hour events. And one of my favorite things to do after those is to go to Cracker Barrel. Like 364 days out of the year, I would never go to a Cracker Barrel, Uh but I went once and 
like I'm getting to the end of this 24 hour event. I'm 23, 23 hours in and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have the most amazing meal at Cracker Barrel as soon as we get done here. You know, that's hilarious, man. And but it's yeah, just like, like keep little, little rewards, little, you know, things that you're excited for in mind. Exactly. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Well, so to kind of wrap up here, first of all, I texted my group of friends. We're on a big group text, which has gotten ridiculous of course, as, as group texts do. Obviously. Exactly. Um, and I was like, do you guys want me to ask him any specifics? And I only got two questions from these guys. And one just said M&Ms or Skittles. And this, I feel like this is an easy answer, but I'm wondering if we're going to disagree for me or at the aid stations for you. Yeah. Oh, um, I, uh, I really like M&Ms. Yeah, me too. Skittles. And get I stuck really in like your teeth though. Peanut M&Ms. Those are the best ones. Right. Um, if, if I can't have peanut M&Ms, I'll go peanut butter M&Ms. Those are probably my favorite. Those are good. You know what M&Ms were weird is I tried the hazelnut like the weird oh totally weird yeah it was weird and i like i mean who doesn't like nutella but right in m&m form it was bizarre all right i'm glad we solved that skittles are terrible i don't even know why you asked this question thad but we have them at the aid station okay (laughs) (laughs) for all you skittles all the skittles fans so we do yes yeah and then my other friend just said 10 miles off coupon question mark which is i'm like no you don't get 10 miles off. <laughs> no, no. Uh, I, I don't even know how to respond to that. <laughs> you need to add um, more miles for him. So here's here's the thing, too. So uh, the t- 2020 running of the Boonville race is actually on my 40th birthday. So I will uh, I am uh, asking people if they if they come to bring beer because I love IPAs. And okay. so if they bring me beer, maybe there'll be a special prize that they that they get for uh, bringing me beer. Well, I have a proposal. You know, they're all running 31 miles, but since it's your 40th birthday, I think you add nine more for them. Oh, I like it. <laughs> um, I like it. Uh, and then I'll just I'll just throw one out there as an Iowan. Um, just your preference. Corn on the cob or breaded tenderloins? What do you got? Oh, um, so normally I would say corn on the cob, uh-huh. uh, but, uh, so my dad passed away uh, a year ago and he was a tenderloin junkie and, um, I've been on the search for the last year to find the best tenderloin in my area. Um, so I would say if I can have half a tenderloin and an uh, uh, ear of corn, then I'd be set both ways. Now, does, does the tenderloin have to be breaded and fried for it to count? Is there any other way to count? Okay, so you go to Muscatine, Iowa. You drive over there, right? And you yeah. have to go during the summer because this place isn't open in the winter. If you go to the place that's known as the Chart House, but they were sued because there's a place, a different place called the Chart House, apparently. I'm like, what? You can't... That's like, bizarre. You can't, like, get copyright the name Chart House. Anyways, right. so now they're the Lighthouse, and they have really good unbreaded tenderloins. And I I worked there when I was in high school as, like, a fry cook. And I'm telling you, the unbreaded tenderloins were, like, hands down the most popular thing on the menu, and they were delicious. I feel like that's something straight out of uh, Satan's hands. <laughs> 
Like, I don't, that's like, if there's anything that's un-American, I think it's an unbreaded tenderloin. You know, I think we're going to leave it there. Uh, <laughs> 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 no, man, you should, you should try it, but I do agree. I'd see where you're coming from for sure. Um, everyone who's not Midwestern is like, what in the world are they talking about? Right. Exactly. Um, all right, man. Well, Hey, where can you guys, like, where can people get more information about Boonville? Um, is there still spots available for people to register? Yeah. So, um, I think last time I checked, uh, the hundred mile was at 38 people and we're a cap of 50. Um, so we're 12 spots away. So yeah, we've, we, uh, are getting pretty close. Uh, the hundred K I believe is at 20, like 25, 26. So we're like halfway there. Um, the 50 K has blown up and I think there's, so 50 K we actually cap at 75. And I think, I think as of today, we've got like 10 spots available. Um, and then we've got, uh, the toughest 10 K that we put a cap of a hundred on that. And I think we're at, 30 or 40 on that. So there's, there's a lot of space left in that, but, um, yeah, so pardon me. Uh, it's Boonville backroads, ultra.com. Um, we are on Facebook at Boonville backroads, ultra. Uh, and then we also do have an Instagram account that I've been doing poorly at, at, uh, maintaining. Um, but it is, uh, I think it's just Boonville backroads or something like that just search just search boonville backroads ultra yeah, awesome man and where can people kind of follow your journey yeah uh you can friend me on facebook i a lot of times i don't if i don't know you then i don't accept but uh, the best place is is uh instagram i'm at ultra dad brad um that's ultra dad brad because i got four kids so i gotta throw the dad in there that's like being an ultra dad for sure with oh my gosh like and I'm I'm actually surprised that they I'm in my bedroom right now, and I'm surprised that they haven't come knocking at the door. Well, so speaking of, my kids are like walking in the door right now. Of course. And so let, I'm gonna wrap this up. But man, thank you so much for talking with me. I'm looking forward to the race. I'm so excited for it. Like I said, it's my like goal race of the year. Um, so I'm super psyched for it. So thank you for putting sure. this on and you know um, continuing the Boonville tradition. Yeah, we're excited to have you, and uh, hopefully we'll bring the terrible weather for you. Nice. Bring the terrible weather. <laughs> add the nine miles for my friends. Make them suffer. It's going to be great. Just put all Skittles at every aid station for their teeth. You know, exactly. And unbreaded tenderloins. Okay, done. And unbreaded tenderloins. <laughs> all right, man. Thanks. Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen. That'll wrap up the episode this week. Brad, thank you so much for agreeing to come on the show. Thank you for putting on the Boonville Backroads Ultra this year. <laughs> uh, it's going to be awesome. Um, kind of quick aside, and I think I mentioned this possibly before when, we, when we've talked about Boonville on here. Um, Brad came out and we ran up Buffalo Mountain uh, in Summit County. But when he left, he gave me a Boonville Backroads Ultra shirt. Now, part of me was like, I feel like I shouldn't wear this shirt because I didn't like I didn't earn the shirt. You know, like it'd almost be akin to someone who was a hockey player who didn't win the Stanley Cup, but they're hoisting the Stanley Cup over their head, you know, like one of those things. Like, and I know hockey players are super superstitious with the idea of I'm not even going to touch the cup until I actually win it, you know. 
So Brad gave me the shirt and it's the Boonville Backroads Ultra shirt. And I was like, man, I feel like I shouldn't even wear this shirt because it'd be weird. Like, you know, if you've ever worn a, a race shirt, that means you actually went out and completed the race. So I took it home and I put it in my closet and it sat there for a couple of weeks. And I was like, ah, but it's a cool shirt. <laughs> That was the, and and that's all it took. And I put the shirt on and I did every time I wear it and I wear it every once in a while, I do feel a little bit of guilt. Like, oh dude, you haven't ran this yet. You're a fake, man. You can't you can't represent the Boonville yet. And so I'm saying this right now, until I finish the race in May, I will not wear that shirt. Even though it's super cool, it's an awesome shirt, but I won't wear it. I'm making that commitment right now because I do feel like I've completely jinxed myself for this race. Every time I wear it, I'm, I'm just taking my fate into my own hands and determining that I'm going to like royally mess up somehow. Um, so I'm not wearing that shirt anymore until I finish the race and I earn it. Um, <laughs> Other note, if you've been following, so uh, I'm trying to remember what episode it was, but we did a whole Boonville Backroads where I sat down and interviewed uh, my four friends who are taking on the 50K. And I gotta say, it's it's there seems like their training's going really well. Um, and the big group text that we're on is just awesome and ridiculous. There's a lot of a lot of talk about nipple chafing on it which is great. Um, but I threw out the challenge. They need to run outside this week. And, and I got it. I, this week's been snowy. It's been cold. It's been miserable. I woke up, my phone said negative zero, which isn't actually a temperature. I'm pretty sure. Um, but it's been hard. And I think having something like this to train for is the motivation that one needs during the times like this, like in the middle of February, you need that motivation to actually get it done. And I know for me, most of my runs right now have got to happen early in the morning, like right when I wake up, like 4.30 early in the morning. Um, otherwise, I'm not going to be able to get, get to go run. And so dragging myself out of bed, dragging myself outside, getting it done is difficult, but it's these little consistent steps that will eventually lead us to our actual goals. Um, in the middle of the race, I'll be glad I've done this, <laughs> you know, and I'm trying to remind myself of that. So hopefully wherever you are, um, whatever you're training for, hopefully you guys are on the right track. If you're not, there's no better moment than now to get back on that track and, and really put in that work and be consistent with your actions. So, all right, guys, we'll get back at you next week. See you.